Happy Mother's Day. And moms, may the Lord bless you and keep you and watch over you. And may he bring you joy this morning. In fact, I want to start off this morning just by praying for you. So if you would just bow your heads right where you're at and just let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for our moms this morning, for this day. We give you praise for all of the moms and the grandmas and the mom figures who have so influenced us. And Lord, we remember our years, whether many or short, we can identify all the countless moms who have encouraged us and loved us and nurtured us and helped us and directed us, cried for us, Father, and attended to us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the tenderness of a mom, their quiet yet tenacious spirits, their warm and welcoming lives. Lord, you have blessed us and impacted us through our moms, and we are so grateful. And for those listening today who have recently lost their moms, or those who didn't have the best mom, or those who don't feel like they are a good mom, for those who feel pain because they never were a mom, or for those who lost a child. Lord, hear our prayer. We entrust these moms and their particular needs to you. Almighty Father, we ask that these moms will be able to feel your compassion, your embrace, your mercy and kindness. And Lord, we pray these in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about that one person that none of us would be here without. And of course, I'm talking about all of you mamas. You know, it's been my experience, especially with my mom, that moms have superpowers. They have these, they're like superheroes. In fact, I was thinking about that, and, and I don't know anybody else, but moms can really heal all your boo-boos. How they do that is just magical. You know, a mom's intuition, as well as their, their ability to hear, they have like the super hearing. They can tell, it's like a sixth sense. They can tell when a kid is up to no good. In fact, moms also have this built-in lie detector because I know my mom could always tell when I was lying. And moms have this ability to multitask like anything I've ever experienced. I certainly can't do it as a dad. In fact, that they can breastfeed and help their kids with their homework and fix lunch all at the same time. It's, it's amazing to watch. And one of the things that I notice as well, which is like they have this superhuman strength. They can carry around this human being that's 45 pounds everywhere without getting tired. In fact, I witnessed this with my granddaughter, Jenny, you know, our grandson, uh, Jaden. He's like five months old. And let me just say, this kid is pretty solid. And she carries them everywhere. And I mean, she gives this kit to me. And in about two minutes, I'm ready to put this thing down. I mean, he weighs, I don't know, he must weigh 45 pounds. He's only five months. Yet I carry him two minutes and I'm looking for places to put him down. I, I'm thinking either this kid starts walking soon or we're going to have to put him on some type of keto diet. I don't know if they have keto formula, but I'm going to look for it. Anyway, my point is that moms have this super strength. It's just amazing. In fact, the power of a mom is really amazing to contemplate and witness. It has been said that the greatest moral power in the world is exercised by a mother over her child. In fact, I witnessed my mother saying things to, to my siblings and I that I don't think any of us would accept from anybody else. But because it was her mom, we listened and we paid attention. 
And of course, I was the perfect child, so she didn't have to deal with me and discipline that much. It was mostly for my siblings. And, and I know my kids, some of my brothers and sisters are watching, so I know they disagree, but we all know who the favorite was, so let's just leave it at that. But can you guys name any force that you would call or dare equal to a mom? You know, it, it has been said that she who rocks the cradle rules the world. And I, and I was thinking of these mom's special powers, and it reminded me of the story when Jesus performed his first miracle. You guys remember the story. I think it's, it's a famous one because Jesus turns water into wine. And Jesus, at this point in his ministry, is about 30 years old. He hasn't started his formal ministry yet. I mean, at this point, he's been teaching, and there's been a few people following him. So he's just starting out. So let's pick up the story in John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Gal Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Well, we have to understand that in those days, weddings would have lasted several days. So the wine running out would have been a big issue. Because remember, you can't just swing by Costco and pick up some more. Well, what this basically means is that no more wine means the party is over. This is a lame party. Kind of embarrassing, right? So Jesus' mother speaks to him about the problem. And in verse 3, this is what it says. When the wine was gone... Jesus' mother said to him, hey, they have no more wine. And it seems at this point that, that Mary has obviously some influence in this wedding party. That, that Mary is concerned and she doesn't want to bring that issue to the bride and groom and potentially embarrass them. So she goes to her son, Jesus. But also realize that at the same time, Mary has lived her entire life with the knowledge that Jesus, her son, was really the Messiah, the one sent from God to save the world. And I, I'm, I'm making this part up, but she's probably thinking, hey, Jesus, you're about 30 years old. You really haven't done anything with your ministry yet, except to say that you're probably hanging out with some cool fishermen. But this is just my thought. But Mary's thinking, hey, Jesus, my favorite son, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't this be a great hour for you to proclaim to everyone here who you really are. And I think she was just doing the mom thing. I think she was using her special ninja Jedi mind tricks powers. I, I don't know, but she was just being a mom. But Jesus is a grown man and under no obligation to obey his mama. And verse 4 says, Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. Well, first, let me mention that the word woman back then in that culture was a term of endearment. It was a term of respect. It wasn't like he was saying woman. No, he was saying woman. And it meant difference. It meant something different then. So notice how he honors her. He honors her by sharing with her God's plan. In other words, he's kind of saying it this way. You know, mom, how does this concern you and me? My time, my hour has not yet come. Now, whether she got the message or not, it's not clear, but I love her response. And this is kind of where I relate to my mom a lot because Mary responds in verse five by saying, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
And maybe it's a little irreverent to me of what I'm, how I'm saying it like this, but I think she's probably thinking, yeah, 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 Jesus, uh, you guys go ahead and do whatever he tells you to because look, look what he's about to do. And we don't know why Jesus fully complies. All we know is that he goes on and he performs his first miracle that is recorded. He turns water into wine. Christ is averted. The party must go on. Now, what's interesting about this miracle is that it, miracle is that it's totally behind the scenes. No one really knows about it, of course, except Mary, the servants that helped, and later on, the disciples. And I think, to me, Jesus did this miracle for his mom, Mary. Mary used her mom power, yes, but Jesus responded by honoring her and affirming her. And I think this is kind of what Jesus was thinking. And he says, look, you may not fully understand my complete plan that God has for me, mom. You don't realize yet that my hour will really happen on the cross. But mom, I want to affirm you. I want to honor you that the secret that you have been carried all of your life of my true identity, this miracle, mom, is for you. I mean, this to me shows such deep respect and honor and esteem for her role as his mom. I remember several instances where my mom asked me to do things that I clearly didn't want to do, but I ended up doing them just because she asked. Several of them. In fact, one time I was visiting from out of town and I go and I greet her and I'm spending time and we're talking. And then all of a sudden she says, hey, can you help me paint this room? which means there's no helping. That means I'm painting the room. And I came up with a million excuses. You know, I'm visiting. I don't have the right clothes. I'm not going to be here that long. And at the end, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a paint and here's a brush. And before you know it, there I am helping her paint the room. And I was just curious. So I asked a few people, what is one thing that you've done that your mom asked you to do that you did, but you didn't want to do? And, and I got a few responses. And one person said that she asked me to go to church with her over and over again, and I ended up going to church even though I didn't want to. Another person said, I literally went to college because my mom asked me to, and I didn't want to do it. And of course, now I'm glad that I did. Another person said, my mom made me volunteer at a parole officer. I had no intention of doing that, but they ended up hiring me, and that is where my career got started. In fact, this came from a person who was a parole officer for the feds now. And this one came from my, one of my older sisters. And she said, one of the hardest things, in fact, it just puts things into perspective and, and it got deep really quick with her. She said, one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do in my life is listen to my mom when I didn't want to do it. She asked me to put her in hospice because she was done with all the medical care. So moms, your words and your actions and your model carries power. Your kids, no matter how old they are, are paying attention. And so don't underestimate the power that you have. Recognizing that importance, recognizing the power of your words and your actions and your models. There's a few things that you should endeavor to do for your children as a mom. Moms, one of the most important things that you can do for your children is point them to Christ. 
And I know that there's a lot of great things that moms do for their children, like nurture them and encourage them and lift them up and be fully present, be kind and use loving words, discipline calmly, laugh with your children. My wife and I were on a walk this week. And of course, I'm always thinking of, of, uh, of the message. And I asked her as we are walking, you know, just randomly, I said, you know, if you had to pick one thing that your mom taught you that you would, that you, you would pass on to your kids, but it could only be one thing, what would it be? And we kept walking and I thought she was taking a little long because she wasn't answering me. And I said, oh, okay, I guess she's thinking. But then I look over and I see tears in her eyes. And it's not uncommon for us to talk about our moms frequently. We, we honor them. They're not with us anymore. So we spend time talking about our moms and it just brings us joy. Sometimes it brings us tears. So I, I gave her some time, but I looked over and then with tears in her eyes, she says, my mom pointed me to Christ and I want to do the same for my children. I can't think of anything more important for a mom to do than lead their children to Christ. Can you? Listen, we don't know what they're going to choose to do when they become adults. But we have this promise in Psalm 22 that says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, they will not depart from it. Psalm 1 tells us, do not forsake your mother's teaching. So take note, all of you children, and we are all children. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. So moms, this morning, I want to tell you about a guy named Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, who was at this time in charge of a church, and he was dealing with some church issues in the, in the city of Ephesus, and he was all alone. And all throughout the New Testament, Paul uses some terms to describe Timothy, and this is what he says of him. He calls him sensitive. He says that he has a good conscience, that he is faithful to the Lord, and he entrusted him to take over the Paul's work when he was done, that he, Timothy takes genuine interest in people. And in Philippians 2, chap, chapter 2, verse 20, he says this of Timothy, I have no one else like him. And though these character qualities don't get listed on resumes, it is clear that Timothy is a solid, genuine, authentic man of integrity, character, and faith. And in fact, I don't think any parent listening to me today would have any apprehension letting Timothy date their daughters. And moms and, and we naturally would ask, how did he get that way? Well, in Acts chapter 16, we get a glimpse into his family. There's not much there, but there's enough for us to understand the dynamics that he grew up under. The text tells us that Timothy's mom was a Jew and that his father was a Gentile. Now that to us maybe doesn't mean much, but back then it meant a lot because Jews didn't marry Gentiles and Gentiles didn't marry Jews. The text also tells us something else. Timothy's mom, Eunice, was a believer in Jesus. She was a woman of faith, and it says nothing about the dad, but Bible scholars believe that because he was a Gentile, he had no faith. So here's my first point. You may be a Christian mom and have a husband that maybe doesn't want much to do with church. Well, Timothy's mom was in your shoes. 
And of course, the same holds true for a Christian man with a wife who's disinterested in church. The point is that Timothy's faith was impacted by a single parent. And this also tells us that God can work through any family situation. There, there is no prescribed way that he works. He can redeem and touch the lives in any situation. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, this is what Paul says of Timothy again. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Meaning that Timothy was sincere. And other translations use the word genuine. You see, Timothy's faith wasn't just learned from books or acquired by memorization. Timothy's faith wasn't just something that he did out of habit or, or, or out of routine. No, Timothy's faith was sincere and genuine because that was who he was. That's who he was Monday through Sunday, at home, on the road, in the market, at church, wherever he went all the time, no matter who he was around. And moms, again, you may wonder, how does a child born into a family with mixed religious beliefs and practices come to be the person so critical to the kingdom of God? Well, Paul continues in, in verse 5 and gives us that clue. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Paul indicates that God used a mom and a grandma to significantly influence but not determine Timothy's faith. Faith. In other words, Timothy's sincere faith didn't happen by accident. It didn't initially grow through the work of the church. It is a direct result and through the direct influence of his mama and his mama's mama. And note that there's three generations here. It's Grandma Lewis to her daughter, Eunice, to her son, Timothy. Paul recognized that Timothy is who he is because of his mom. You see, it wasn't Paul who pointed Timothy in the direction of the church. It was his mom. So this is where mothers should take note. And dads, this is where you listen to. The faith you long for your children and your grandchildren to have must first live in you. Timothy's mom lived the life of faith and he saw it. So consequently, moms desiring to influence and impact your kids and grandkids in the way of Jesus should ask themselves, what efforts are you taking and making to be the person you long for your kids to become? Do they see you reading the Bible? Do they see you praying? I mean, what songs do they hear you listening to and singing? Because children become what they see. One of my wife's greatest joys is seeing her kids and now her grandkids serve others. In fact, my oldest two grandkids, uh, Natalie and Jeremiah, uh, the, to me, they're incredible, of course, but they're, they're so loving and they care deeply for people. And I'm sure they learned that from their mom because my son, anyway, every time we go feed the less fortunate. Every time we go feed the homeless, you know, Natalie and Jeremiah can't wait. 
they're, they're always asking their dad, it's like, are we going? And they're always asking my, my wife or their grandma, it's like, is, is my apron ready? And they're, they're always so eager to go. And I have to tell you, they haven't missed the Long Beach in the last year. Now, is this natural for a six-year-old to want to do? They're six and four. Where did they learn this from? How was she aware or how were they aware that there's even people without food? Well, I can tell you the answer. And I tell you this answer not boastfully, but also I always boast in the Lord. But they know this because of their mom and their grandma. So moms, grandmas, that which you long to see grow and mature in your children and grandchildren must first be present in you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells us something else that caused Timothy to become the person that he became as an adult. It says, but as for you, continue what you've learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Now, Paul somehow found out that Timothy, that when he was a mere infant, began to learn the scriptures. His mom and his grandma and perhaps other people made it a point and they took the time to teach young Timothy the scriptures, which also tells me that they chose not to be involved in other things so that they could train up young Timothy. This also tells me that it's never too early and it's never too late to start. The point is to start, to start pointing your child to Christ, to read them the scriptures, to give your child roots that will anchor them for years to come. Think of it this way. Think of your average pine tree. The average pine tree, there are several variations of them, but the average pine tree during the first five years of their life grow about two feet above ground. But during those first five years of a tree's life, its roots grow about four feet, twice as much. These roots will eventually grow laterally and attach to other root systems that would help hold the tree in place. Roots that will be able to find deep waters in dry times. Roots that will keep that tree alive. And childhood, we know, is tough. Children get blown off course very easily. So we must give them roots, strong roots. Teach them the truth. Read them the, scripture, the scriptures when they are young. You know, Timothy became the man that he was due to the godly influence of his mom, who knew this reality. Psalm 103 says, From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Moms, when you trust God with his plan for your life, and you follow him, and you serve him, it will influence your children. And like we talked about last week, small acts of faith matter in big ways. We never know what God is going to do with our obedience, we just know that he requires it. And when we give it, when we follow him, when you lead your children to his truth, you are joining the ranks of women of sincere faith. Which leads me to my next point. 
Moms, one of the second things that you, you, you should endeavor to do for your kids is to speak blessing over them. Praying blessing over your children is so important for many ways. Not only do they model the significance and the meaning of prayer in their everyday life, they serve as, en as encouragement at any time during the day. They remind your children not only of our love for them, but of God's love for them, and most importantly, of God's perfect plan for their life. As a mom, you profoundly influence the direction of your child's life by the words that you say to them. Yet, sometimes moms fail to do that, and they say things like, oh, my, mom's, my, my kids know that I love them, or my kids know that I'm praying for them. And that may be the case, but they need to hear you verbally pour blessing into their lives. Oftentimes, some moms can slip into this harsh and critical, being harsh and critical with their children, and, and maybe easily find fault in some of the things they do and, and say things like, why can't you get better grades? Or why can't you do anything right? And we know that such negative words will cause a child to lose their sense that God has placed within them. Certainly as parents, we have a responsibility to God and even to society to train our children and to discipline them when they disobey. But if we continually speak negative words we discourage and we dishearten, and before long, we destroy a child's self-image. And then we open the door for the enemy to come and bring all sorts of insecurity into their lives. Instead, begin speaking positive truth and blessing into your child's life. Mom, Speak God's word into your child every single day before they do school, before they go out to play, before they eat. You don't need to preach a sermon. You just need to say things like, you know, God's word says that he loves you today. God's word says that he has a perfect plan for today. And whether you realize it or not, our words affect our children's future. So we need to speak loving words of approval, of acceptance, words that encourage and inspire and motivate. We want our children to reach new heights. When we do that, when we speak blessing into their life, we are speaking abundance and increase into their lives. We are declaring God's favor into their lives. So I want to close a little different this morning. Because I know a mom's greatest joy is to see her child or her children prosper and be happy. So what I want to do is I want to encourage you to gather your children right now. If they're not in the room with you, bring them in. Sit them down. And you as a mom are going to speak blessing over your children. And I'm going to guide you. Now, if your kids aren't there because they're grown, you'll have time. Pick up the phone right now. Call them, it's Mother's Day, they'll take your call and just say, I want to speak some blessing into your life. We all want what's best for our kids. We all want our kids to be blessed. But just remember that a blessing isn't a blessing until you speak it over them. I will be using the book of Numbers, Psalms, 2 Corinthians to pray. And the scriptures will be up on the screen. And once I say amen, 
the worship team is going to sing another song called The Blessing. And I want you to use that song to continue to pour blessing into their lives. And if you don't know what else to say, just sing that song over your children. And, and moms, if you do this daily, you're going to watch your kids begin to thrive. Their attitudes about themselves is going to start to change. Their actions with others will improve. And as the blessings of God begin to take root in their lives, your children are going to thank you. And kids of all ages, remember, remember that the best way to honor your mom this day is to follow God's plan for your lives. So gather your children. I'll pray, and you'll use this prayer to speak over them. Just repeat the words that I say. Are you guys ready? Start off by calling them by name. Say, fill in the blank. Say, you are a child of the Most High God. God has good things in store for you. May God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon your face. May he be gracious to you. May you find favor in his eyes. May you have peace all of your days. May the Lord keep you from all harm as you trust in him. May he watch over your life, your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. May his favor be upon you through all of your generations, your families and your children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and all around you. May God make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, may he be with you. You are highly favored. You are able and can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. In the powerful and beautiful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.